Hello there and welcome back into the Direct Selling Accelerator podcast. My name is Sam Hind, I'm your host, and today I'm going to be bringing in another very special guest. I absolutely love the fact that this podcast is not just about the knowledge I bring to the table, but the knowledge that so many people all over the globe with extensive experience in all industries in all parts of life from all over the world get to come in here and share with you their expertise on how to be successful, not just in business, but in life. I am so privileged that I get to be the person that helps deliver this information to you. And so I feel a little bit I guess, guilty that I get to have the front row seat of having some of these amazing conversations. But it's also an amazing blessing for me to be able to do that. So today is absolutely no exception. I had the pleasure of speaking with an amazing individual on the other side of the world uh, over in Utah in uh, Salt Lake City, I had the opportunity to speak with the amazing Curtis Call, who is the Chief Sales Officer for Zingular. Now, Curtis comes to us with an experience of over 18 years in the industry in all different areas. He has got a wealth of experience under his belt and some amazing knowledge, but he also, you can tell when you hear from him just how passionate he is about helping people grow their businesses and to grow them the right way. He has a real passion for people. I know that you're going to feel this when you hear him speak, but I was just blown away as well by the amount of amazing, down-to-earth, simple-to-implement information he shared. And you know what? There's nothing better than simplicity when it comes to growing yourself and gaining some knowledge. So I know you're going to love this interview. I don't want to give too much away. I know that this is going to be really powerful. So definitely have that pen and paper ready for this episode, but I'm going to hand over now and let you hear from the man himself. I'm welcoming on in Curtis Cole, Chief Sales Officer of Zingular. Hello, everybody, and welcome back into the Direct Selling Accelerator podcast. I am super excited to be joined today by Curtis Call. Welcome on in, Curtis. Thank you, Sam. It's an honor to be on here with you. I'm super excited to chat with you today. I know we've had some great conversations so far and in those conversations, I was thinking this will be an awesome chat to have with our listeners because you've got so much value to add to the field, but also so much experience in your career, which I'm excited to chat with you about in just a moment. But by introduction, Curtis, you're the Chief Sales Officer at Zingula, and we're really excited to be doing some more work with you guys over the coming months. But do you want to tell everybody a little bit about who you are, Curtis, before we get going? Absolutely. You know, so maybe on a couple parts of my life, I have been involved with the direct selling industry now for uh, about 22 years. Uh, Initially, uh, as a distributor for a two years and since 2003 uh, involved on, you know, what we refer to as the corporate side of the industry, leading sales organizations, uh, field development, so forth. I've been with Zingular uh, now almost eight years. Uh, next month uh, will be eight years uh, with, the, with the company. And I am passionate about helping independent distributors, business owners, solopreneurs, whatever we are calling them these days, to maximize their potential and help them to build successful businesses. Uh, On the personal side, um, my wife and I have been married uh, for 26 years. We have 
four children, our oldest and his wife uh, just gave us our first grandson oh, uh, recently, uh, which we're very excited about. Uh, but two sons, two daughters, very engaged in um, sports and in other things that keep us very busy. Uh, so life's good at work, life's good at, at home. Uh, and that's, I guess, a little bit about me. I love that. So what it, what's really awesome is we're going to be talking today about routine. And I think there's no better person to talk to about routine than someone who's been in a corporate career like you have, has got a sporting background, has got four children and now a grandchild. <laughs> Congratulations. Yes. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to have a chat with you about all of that. Can you tell our listeners just quickly, for those who don't know anything about Zingular, a little bit about the company, what does Zingular do? So Zingular uh, has been in business. Uh, this December will be 13 years. We were, we were founded in December of 2009. Uh, you know, started out primarily in the sort of uh, liquid supplement market, uh, and then, you know, uh, acquired a company which put us in the weight loss market. And really what has evolved is a company primarily focused on weight loss and transformation, and then also, you know, like some great wellness uh, products, uh, supplements and things like that. You know, we are as a company like to take, you know, a different approach sometimes to, to how we do things. Uh, we have a, a tremendous compensation model, but we've built in what we call our passport program, which is a, a travel incentive model, unlike anything I've seen across my 20 plus years in the industry, really robust, giving people a lot of opportunities in their time with Zingular to earn a lot of uh, travel and experiences for them, for their families. And so we just, we do this for the distributors. We say we're a distributor centric company. We're a distributor success company. And that is on our minds all the time is how can we help the distributor and primarily that brand new distributor who's trying to get a business started. Very much focused on the people who build this. And um, our company is doing really well. Uh, we've received a number of different growth awards over the last five or six uh, years, um, multiple best places to work awards from you know local uh, publications here in Utah, from industry publications, from Inc. Mag Magazine. And I think it's all a testament to the culture here internally, which also becomes the culture that we have in our in our field as well. So it's an exciting place, great company, um, and uh, you know we're looking forward to what the future holds. I love that you brought the culture into it because this was actually one of the things I was really excited to chat with you about today and definitely one of the standouts for me when I first met you and spoke to you about this awesome company and the field in particular. Um, culture is something that's very, very difficult to establish. But one of the things I noticed is that it is such a huge focus for you at head office level and the care that you're taking to looking after the field and ensuring that no one's left behind and everyone's looked after really, really stands out. Can just I know that this wasn't one of the, the things that we were going to chat about originally, and this is what I said. We could go off on any tangent here, so <laughs> let's go. Can you tell us a little bit about how you go about establishing that culture? Because I get, I get the sense that this is actually a really, really important thing for Zingular right from the top through the ranks. Yeah, culture is a big deal for us, both the – sort of the internal working culture of the company, but then also how that expands out into the culture with, uh, with our distributors and in their businesses. And, you know, we're, we're big believers that culture isn't a result of, you know, fun things that you offer, you know, the ping pong table and the break room and the snacks and the, the this and that, it, giving people a, a common language that they can speak from. Um, and so that, you know, you say things and it, and it carries meaning 
within the organization. And that's true in our distributor field as well. You know, there are ways that we talk to them. There are things that we implement around how we interact with them. And, you know, it was interesting years ago, we, we had an organization that did some surveying and polling in our field to learn a little bit more about Zingular. And they came back to us and they said, you know, one of the words that kept popping up that we found so unique, you know, for this type of a company was the word love. Um, and yeah. people talked about their love for the company, their love for, mm-hmm. you know, the corporate team and their love for their teams and their love for their downlines, sidelines, crosslines, whatever. Um, and, and it really just comes down to how are people being treated? How do they feel valued within that community? And that starts to breed the the culture that you want. People want to stay where they feel important, where they feel valued, but they also feel cared for. And so, yeah, there's, there's a lot of things you can add that are perks, um, Mm -hmm. but they don't always add up to culture. You really have to focus in on the people and their interactions to establish what you really want culture to be. Yeah, that's so powerful. Do you know the thing that stands out to me about that, Curtis, is is the the differentiation between um, the the giving of things versus the valuing of people. And I think that's where we sometimes get a little bit caught up. One of the trainings that we really focus heavily on is is how people are providing value to their audience on social media. And I see time and time again people getting that confused with what am I giving away? What am I doing for them? Uh, rather than just simply showing them that you care. And I think that's just so powerful. So I love that you guys are doing that. But I do want to ask another question around that too. From a distributor level, um, I got asked this question yesterday actually. We had someone in the field who was really struggling with team culture. So that culture of the team around them and how, when you see that culture going off in a direction you don't want to, for example, a lot of negativity starts festering, particularly in Facebook groups, you know, mm-hmm. how do they re-steer that? Do you have any advice given, you know, I, I suppose what you've been so focused on from a head office level for someone who might be in a leadership level to re-steer the culture? Uh, yeah, you know, there's a couple of things that I think about in that instance. And, you know, you know, to say that any of our distributor groups have been immune from that, um, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't be true. But what I've, what I've seen some of our top leaders do uh, when that starts to happen is go back to the basics of what we're building here and understanding mm-hmm. that we're here to help other people to reach goals that they've set for themselves to, you know, they came here to build something that would be a value for them, their families, or maybe even life-changing. And we have to ask ourselves the question, what's in it for them? Mm-hmm. Why are they here? What do they want from this? And a lot of that negativity sometimes breeds from, you know, egos getting in the way and maybe questions being, well, what can I take from this or what's in it for me? Yeah. And if you can throw away the what's in it for me question and really load yourself up on what's in it for them, yeah. it becomes a lot easier for for you to restore a culture where people feel hey, if I stay here, they're going to help me get what I want from this. And yeah. uh, I've watched top leaders in Singular do that. There's like really, you almost it, it's hard sometimes to kind of turn your mind back around to how am I being of service to this person? How am I helping them get to their goal or what they're coming to work for? And not doing things that take away from that or detract from that. Uh, and it, But it takes work. You have to be intentional. You have to put in the, the work and the effort. Um, you don't build culture just by saying you want a great culture. You build a culture by living up to those things that you promise to the community, right? Yeah. Leading by example. I love it. Now, let's 
let's have a little bit of a chat about an analogy that you gave me that I want to share with the the listeners now. I was really keen to chat with you about routine and you used a word that I really love, which was rhythm in business. And, you know, I feel like it's such a beautiful way to describe it because we hear routine all the time and we think routine, work, you know, process. But when I heard the word rhythm, I just thought, what a beautiful way to to think about, you know, how we go about our daily activities. And I want to really dive into this concept of building rhythm in your business. But you gave an analogy. You told me about how you grew up on a ranch and how that lesson of growing up on that ranch taught you a little bit about the importance of routine and rhythm. Do you want to just share that with our listeners? I'm going to let you do it in your words because you said it so much better than I'm going to. Uh, Awesome. Yeah. So I I grew up on a cattle and sheep ranch. Um, I live here in Utah. I was, you know, uh, a little more than an hour north of where I currently sit. Uh, It was my granddad's ranch. And, you know, as young kids, we, we started working from an early age and we started you know, being taught the value of our daily responsibilities, um, that every single day we had to show up and do our chores, you know, whether that was feeding the animals or watering the crops or any other you know, number of things, but you, you learn to show up and you learn to do that day's chores or that, that, that day's tasks. And you come back around again tomorrow and you do it again and you come back around tomorrow and do it again. And, and routine sometimes, you know, carries this, this connotation of, you know, only, only having a pattern. Mm -hmm. Um, But rhythms is, you know, you kind of get into a feel for it, you know, Mm -hmm. and you, you kind of get in this, this movement with the the thing that you're doing and it becomes a little bit more, I think a a part of you, you know, I, I learned at a young age that if you don't feed the animals, there are, potential, you know, catastrophic consequences, you know, and an unfed animal can become unhealthy and, you know, even, you know, potentially die. And the same goes for, you know, crops. If you want to have a really good crop of, you know, hay or wheat or corn or something, you've got to really take care of those mm-hmm. crops. And there's a daily nurturing component that that comes from that. And um, so, you know, it was, it was stressed early on. You show up, you do your part, you do you do your, your piece of this. Right. And I, I just look back at those lessons and how they've translated now into the business world. Um, I don't get to just come to the office every once in a while, you know, I kind of got to come and, you know, and do my thing. And I I think routine is great. You, you establish your routine, but your routine allows you to get into a rhythm with the business and it allows you to kind of feel and move the business a little differently. I, I think about this from a, from the distributor standpoint, you can't only, you know, build your business on Thursday afternoon and expect to have great results. You kind of got to, you know, do something every single day that moves your business forward and allow yourself to get into that consistency about daily activities that are productive and, and will help you to, to grow your business. Mm. And, you know, I, I don't know if the farming and the, the ranching analogy marries up perfectly with business, but there, for me, having experienced both, there's so many similarities. You know, I I think one of the things that we've taught most frequently here is about the need for daily activities and consistency in doing those. And I I think it's where rhythm comes from is allowing yourself to to do those things every single day that are going to grow your business. 
Yeah, that's so good. The feel of it and getting into the groove versus just the the process. That's such a great analogy. And I know you also tied in sport to this too. So if people don't like the analogy about the ranch and the animals, which I think is awesome, <laughs> you know, you also spoke about, you know, game day. Uh, I, I really, it was kind of like a bit of an aha moment for me as you were talking about it. And that, that game day is not, you know, the most important part. It's the the daily rhythm of practicing um and that's you know, do you want to um just quickly elaborate on that as well yeah and so i'm i'm a big sports fan by the way um i've played a lot of sports um i've coached my kids in sports i watch a lot of sports and so i, I tend to draw not a lot of analogies out of, I, I, uh, say I was a little blown away you actually know what Australian rules football is, which when I, I chatting do. with anyone yeah. in the US, they have no idea what I'm talking about. Yes. Yeah. That was, that was a key part of my childhood as we, as we talked about. Um, but, you know, I, I look at, I look at the best athletes out there, right? And what a lot of people miss about these best athletes is sure, they've, they've got great genetics. They have great physical traits and physical skills, but there are people with the same physical traits and skills who never rise to the same level of success as some of the, the truly great ones do. And, and the great ones are the ones they're willing to get in, you know, the gym or on the field or wherever, whatever type of, you know, surface they're playing on um, every day. That's not game day. And they put in the work and they do the practice and they work on the fundamentals over and over and over again. So it doesn't matter, you know, if we're talking about Jerry Rice, legendary wide receiver for the San Francisco 49ers, if we're talking about, you know, the Michael Jordans, LeBron James, Kobe Bryant's of the world in the basketball world, the, the Lionel Messi's, the Cristiano Ronaldo's of the soccer world. These guys put in a ton of effort and a ton of work. And they show up every single day to their workouts. They show up every single day to their practices. And the game day, yeah, it's important because, you know, that's kind of where the wins and losses happen in the standings and the, the greatness is on display. But the, great, the game day is an opportunity to put all of that stuff you've been practicing to the test against competition and see where you are. And then they measure themselves and they say, oh, I'm going to go back. And then this week, I'm going to work on something different. I'm going to keep my routine going. And they, they make the, all the difference by the work and the consistency they put into the practice. Um, you know, taking it out of sports, a, mu a musician is the same. You know, we, we see them perform a number at a concert or in, you know, some kind of a television special or something. We think, wow, that person is so talented. And what we miss is that they have been somewhere in some studio in their garage, living room somewhere, practicing their craft over and over and over again. You know, and you, you go back to the analogy of, hey, the farm teaches you got to do something every single day, but you also got to do the things that make you better every single day. And it's in the consistency of putting in that effort yeah. that you become better at it. There's a what's called the 10,000 hour principle, right? And they, they say, that, you know, you do something for 10,000 hours and you sort of, you know, create an expertise or you become an expert at that thing. Well, you don't get 10,000 hours in only on game day or only on Fridays. You know, it, it comes from amassing time and you can accelerate that by how much time you put in every single day. So on a business side, it's practicing your business craft. If you're in sales, it's like working on your sales pitches, working on the things that you're going to say, but actually get at, getting out in front of people and doing the thing over and over and over again until you become better at it. Um, and I can't say enough about the importance of putting in the work to get the result that you want out of anything that you're engaging in, in any part of your life, really. Yeah, so powerful. And I guess the thing that I'm, I'm thinking about our listeners right now and what some of them are thinking, 
And I, I know that we were, we wanted to really speak into this because one of the things, one of the reasons that people don't establish good quality routines or rhythms, again, that's my new word. I love that rhythms. The, the reason that people don't establish good rhythms in their business every day is because, oh, this is just my side hustle. This is not my, you know, my full time thing. I've got a full time job and I'm a mom and, or I'm a dad and I've got all these other things going on and, I can only give my business a small amount of time each week. So, you know, question to you, kind of rhetorical, but a, a routines or rhythms still important if it's just a side hustle. Can we just sort of speak into that for a little bit and why are they so important and, and what can people do if, if they're thinking, well, you know what, it's, it's just something on the side that I'm using to earn a little bit of extra income right now. So um, I would actually say if this is a side hustle or, you know, kind of a plan B, you know, something you're doing um, after your full-time, you know, job or gig, that it's even more important mm. to have a routine and it's even more important to get into a rhythm because you already have that other thing that is a big thing. And what you really need to understand is if you treat this like a hobby, it's going to pay you like a hobby. Yeah. If you treat it like a business, it'll pay you like a business. Well, mm. okay, I've got a full-time thing. So now I can only really approach it like a part-time business. Mm -hmm. But still, if you had a part-time business, you would, you know, engage with that business regularly. And that comes down to, you know, so let's say, you know, you go to work and you can only put, you know, an hour or two hours a day toward, you know, your um, business that you're building on the side. You got to schedule that time. You got to block it out yeah. and you got to say, this is my time when I'm at work for that business. And then in that time, make sure you're engaged in the right activities. And you have to really focus on the most productive activities because you have less time for them yeah. than somebody who's doing it full-time and has a little more time to, you know, to, to get outside of that realm. So yes, it's important. I think it's even more important if you're doing this uh, as a side hustle yeah. to really make sure that you are blocking it out and committing yourself to do the right work during that time every single day. Yeah, it's really awesome that you mentioned that. And we're going to talk in a little moment about establishing good routines or rhythms in your business and what some of those activities might look like. But it's interesting because about three months ago, we actually established a new membership group called the Rise Up Inner Circle. And we've been working with a group of people in their businesses every week at the same time every week to do just 30 minutes of activity twice a week together as a group to establish routines. And it's really funny. We we started out with everybody having what we called a big, hairy, audacious goal that they wanted to achieve by the end of the year. So we established this routine on a Monday morning and a Friday morning just for 30 minutes where together we would be doing some really important core activities. And the fact that we all had to come together in person and do it and everyone was sort of forced to sit down and do that, that activity in their business twice a week We've had in just three months, we've had a really good portion of that group already achieve that big, hairy, audacious goal that they they wanted to achieve by the end of the year and have to set a whole new one simply because for the first time ever, they've established some routine in their business that they're doing every single week and they haven't had that before. So it's, it's so powerful spending this time. But Let's talk about how to establish good quality routine because we can spend time and, you know, I get, I get a little bit cranky with them when I say to them, what, what's the, the activity you're going to do today? And they say, I'm going to clean my desk. And I go, ah, stop. <laughs> what's a good quality um, rhythm or routine and how do we establish those? Do you have some advice for our listeners in that space? 
Um, so we, we like to talk about income producing activities and the things that actually help to grow your business, grow your sales volume, therefore grow your, your income. And, you know, a lot of people will, you know, wake up in the morning and scroll through their Facebook or their Instagram, check on what everybody else is doing in social media, maybe make their new posts and they jump into their back office. They check their reports and how's my team doing? Look at my commission deposits for the day. And, you know, what did, what did today's subscriptions look like? And then they lean back and say, wow, I had a really busy morning and they've done nothing to actually grow their business. And they need to really focus on the things that are going to drive sales volume into their organization and get them paid. So we call those income producing activities. You know, a person might only have an hour or two a day that they can devote to their business. So I like to say, spend 80% of your time in your income producing activities and spend 20 in those other administrative things, catching up on what's going on with your team, your reports, you know, making your, your social posts and so forth. And then, you know, you can chunk that out. You can create chunks of time that allow you to focus on the most important things. So if I only had one hour, I might spend 15 minutes on uh, prospecting, you know, reaching out to new people that I've wanted to share, you know, my business opportunity with another 15 minutes following up with the people I was prospecting with yesterday. There's this massive value in follow up. So you have to make sure that's part of your daily routine. And then I might spend 15 minutes reaching out to members of my team. Hey, what do you need? How can I help you? Following up with customers to thank them for their business. There's a lot of, there's a lot of things that will help you to grow a successful business. But if you're not engaged in those every single day, because you're doing administrative or clerical things, um, you're missing out on a massive opportunity. So, you know, you kind of got to divide up your day and what works for you, chunk it out and focus on specific activities for a period of time and making sure you're constantly keeping working lists of who those people are for those periods of time as well. That's going to be the biggest thing that people can do in establishing a, a, a business routine, build it around the activities that matter most to your business. Awesome. And Curtis, I want to ask you a quick question about what are some of the the rhythms that you have established in your own routine that have led to success in your career? Um, and so, you know, I think for me personally, um, it's been around personal development. Uh, I, I spend time every single morning in personal development, uh, whether that's reading, listening to a podcast, but something that works on my mind, something that works on, uh, you know, uh, new ideas and, you know, just generating a, a growth mindset uh, for myself. Uh, I spend part of that time in, you know, spiritual development as well. And I, I think that that's, that's critical. And then spending a little bit of time every day, getting your body moving, you know, a group of guys here at the office that we like to play pickleball. I don't know if you guys are playing pickleball in Tasmania. I have no idea what pickleball is. <laughs> imagine life-size ping pong where you're on a miniature tennis court. It's something like that. But, you know, we, we have our, our routine as well, you know, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, we play. And so that's, that becomes a part of my routine. But I think you just have to pick the things that matter to you and then get them worked into your life. I find that morning is always easier before my day gets going, before distractions come up. You know, as I said, I have four kids and we're, we're busy and, you know, my life can get pulled any number of directions uh, in, the, in the evening after work. And so I like to make sure that I carve out time in my morning to work on me and the things that, you know, that I want to get accomplished from personal development and physical development, spiritual development standpoint. Uh, and if I were giving anybody advice, I'd say, you know, if you like podcasts, pick podcasts. If you like to read, read. If you like to, you know, learn some other way, but establish a part of your day where you, that's going to happen. And it happens every single day in, in that part of the day. But yeah. those are some of the things that I do. And it seems to help yeah, me a lot. Super important. 
I think, I, you know, there's not a, a leader that I've spoken to or someone successful that I've spoken to that does not prioritize that time for growth. So I know that uh, our listeners hear this again and again on this podcast. So that might be a little rhythm you're hearing here. And there's a reason for it because <laughs> that personal growth is probably one of the most powerful things that you can be doing. So the fact that you're listening to this podcast is a really good sign. But I love that. That's Absolutely. so good. Now, I do have four really fun questions for you, Curtis, before we wrap up. I know our listeners love this part of the podcast. So first question is this. What's your favorite book for our Accelerator book list? Um, I think I might cheat on this one, Sam. Uh, by cheat, I mean I'm going to tell you two books um, okay, because both of these books have two. been, uh, I think, <laughs> really valuable for me. And um because a lot of people listening are also independent distributors, business owners, uh, solopreneurs. Um, the the first one for me is the Compound Effect by oh. by Darren Hardy. Yeah. Um, this is all about you know how the daily activities start to add up over time, right? I I don't get big muscles because I went to the gym one time. I go I get big muscles by going to the gym every single day, and then over time that adds up. And that's that yeah. book is all about. It's kind of what we're talking about today. Um, and then one of my favorite business books ever is the other one I want to share, and it's called Leadership and Self-Deception. Um, this is a terrific um, book and a terrific read. It's about how we get out of the box toward other people, um, how we see others as, as people, not objects, and how we can really build relationships that help move teams and organizations forward. So I love leadership and self-deception. And I, I think for anybody building a business, anybody trying to establish routines, the compound effect is absolutely fantastic. I love it. Now, I do want to just come back a little step here. We've got three more fun questions to ask, but I, I also want to ask you something else that's been on my mind, and that is you've seen a lot of distributors out there who, uh, you know, have done amazing things and, and many that also really struggle. I, I'd love to know what do you see on a regular basis being a habit for new business owners that typically leads to failure or difficulty in growing their business. I'm sure you've seen this. I'd love to know what your opinion is on, you know, some of those, those habits that people form early on that perhaps they could be a bit more aware of. Uh, yeah, um, I've seen it a lot, honestly. You know, there are certainly a lot of people who jump into businesses like ours and um, don't see the success that they want to see. Um, and you know, unfortunately they give up too early on it. Mm -hmm. Um, and then sometimes that's simply why people don't succeed. But what are the challenges I see people having and something that they're engaging in? Um, but it's not really, you know, something where they should really be spending a lot of time is thinking they have to know it all. So, you know, if you're in a, a company like ours, where it's about weight loss products and supplements, thinking I have to know every ingredient and every combination of this, that, and the other before I can start telling someone else about the products or about, you know, weight loss programs that I have to be become an expert first, yep. or uh, sometimes thinking I have to know every single nuance about the compensation plan or some promotion contest that's running before I just take action. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes the best learning comes from taking action and figuring out what didn't work and backing up and learning. And then you're going to learn it all along the way anyway. But if you stop yourself to think you have to learn it all first, you won't engage in the activities that create early wins for you in your business. Yeah. And if you're not getting those early wins, you're going to determine, oh, this doesn't work, or I don't work, or I'm not good at this. And you're going to give up way too early. So my advice to someone would be, don't think you have to be an expert first. Jump in, engage in the work, share, be enthusiastic and excited when you're sharing with your family and friends and whoever you're reaching out to, because people want to know the outcomes. They want to know the stories that you have to share about what this has done for you. 
even if you don't know all the details. Um, yep. So don't get wrapped up in the axle of the details yeah. uh, too early. It just I love it. It always, I shouldn't say always, but it's very often a, a recipe for failure. Yeah, so powerful. And I, and I see this with social media. So, you know, getting it right, getting it perfect before we go. Presence over perfect. Passion sells so much more than knowledge. So love that. So good. All right. Jumping into that next question is if you could have one superpower, what would that be and why? Yeah, you know, my kids ask me this question all the time. Uh, and then we have these, you know, raucous debates around what the best superpowers are. You know, but for me, it would be the ability to read minds. Um, and that's because I'm in sales. I want to know what the customer's thinking. I want to know what the people around me are, are thinking because in, in sales, it's, it's all about help resolve a pain point, help resolve an issue. You know, if you can yep. make something easier or better for the customer, then, you know, they're going to buy what you have to offer. And so I've always thought, man, if I could just read people's minds, I'd know exactly what they need. And that would make me super incredible <laughs> at what I do. So uh, mind reading would be I my feel like superpower. That would also, be a really painful superpower as well if you are a sensitive individual. <laughs> you have to have a thick skin for that one. Yeah, but in my world, it's the ability to turn it on and off as I want to as well. Right, I got it. Okay, then it's great. <laughs> yeah. Okay, your yeah, favorite yeah. quote, Curtis. Um, my favorite quote, uh, I, I, I'll just say this, I, you know, because of the amount of things I've read and a lot of the personal development, there are a lot of great quotes out there. But one of my favorites is from Nelson Mandela. And it's, I never lose, I either win or I learn. And I think there's some real value in that quote and understanding that, you know, a loss isn't just a loss, it's an opportunity for growth. It's an opportunity yeah. to learn something new, to learn why did you fail and maybe make an improvement. And yeah. so that one's been really impactful for me to look at losses and failures differently. Look at them as growth opportunities. Look at them as learning opportunities. Um, so yeah, that's, that's one of my absolute favorites. Awesome. I love that. And the very last question, Curtis, if you could go back in time and say one thing to your past self, what would that be? This is a, this is a big question because uh, I think my past self probably needed a lot of advice along the way. And I think for, you know, I just, I just talked about the importance of personal development. I probably would have told my younger self to start that process earlier, to mm. be willing to invest in personal to gro uh, growth earlier in my life, earlier in my career. I think I really became passionate about personal growth probably in my 30s and 20-something-year-old Curtis could have really used some of that personal growth too. So that would probably be the thing I would go back and say and encourage myself to do. You know, we, we always waste youth, um, you know, because we don't have the wisdom of age yet. And it would be really nice to, to know some of those things at a much younger age. So if you're listening and you're young, invest in your personal growth now, be willing to, and, and then we buy the books, attend the seminars, do the things, listen to the podcasts, do the things that are going to help you grow and, and get better and better at what you do. You know, one of, one of my favorite analogies is that you can't feed the hungry from an empty pantry. And so personal growth and personal development helps me fill up my pantry. It helps me have a, a reserve and a reservoir of things that I can then offer out to people when they're struggling or when they need advice in some way. And it's not always original Curtis Call thought. It's sometimes, hey, I was reading in this book and this is what was taught or this is an idea I got from this source. But, you know, fill yourself up, make yourself a reservoir for the people around you. And that only comes from putting in the effort and the work of, of personal growth, development and learning.
Yeah. Awesome. I love that. And such a great analogy too. So look, thank you so much for joining us today, Curtis. This has been awesome. Uh, Such a great chat and so many amazing golden nuggets for our listeners. And I just want to throw it out there too. Uh, You know, you said if you're young, start now. It's never too late to start. You know, if you're listening to this and you're in your 80s, and I know that we've got some amazing listeners in their 70s and 80s and even 90s. It's never too late to to grow and learn and gain knowledge. So don't not do it because you didn't do it when you were younger. Start that process now because you just never know where it will lead. But thank you so much, Curtis. This has been amazing to connect with you. I love. Can that. I can I share something yes, really quickly? Please. I I go to church with a gentleman who's in his late eighties, and occasionally he will play uh, the piano in church, and he's. He's quite good at playing the piano. And I remember one day somebody asked him, you know, hey, you know, have you been playing the piano your whole life or whatever? And he says, no, he didn't even start playing until he was 75. Wow. Um, and he just decided it, as a 75-year-old that he wanted to learn to play the piano. And now, you know, 10, 12 years later, he has this talent, but it wasn't something he did forever. So anyway, you said that about, hey, whether you're 20s or when you're in your 80s, it's never too late to start. Yeah. Um, absolutely. At any age, you can do this. I was only referencing the 20s because we were talking about my my younger self. But I, I really just wanted to reinforce that point, Sam, because what you that was amazing what you said. It's never too late uh, to start uh, investing in you and the better version of you for tomorrow and for next year and for, yeah. you know, down the road. One of my business coaches once said to me this quote, which is always stuck in mind, and that is that the best time to plant a tree was 10 years ago. The next best time is today. And it's just a really good reminder that it is never too late to start. It shouldn't be tomorrow. It should be today. So, yeah. Thank you again, Curtis. Been so great chatting with you. And I know our audience, um, I'm sure they've taken a whole heap away from this episode. So really appreciate you taking your time out. You're at the opposite end of the day to me right now. So I'm going to get into my day. You're going to finish yours up. But again, thank you so much for joining us. It's been such a pleasure having you in here. Yep. I've loved being on here with you. A lot of fun. Uh, Thank you again for the invite and uh, for the time. Uh, Really appreciate it. Awesome. And thanks as well to our awesome listeners for tuning in again. Make sure that you subscribe on YouTube or on your favorite podcast channel. And we look forward to having you tune in again for our episode next week. Bye for now. Take care of yourself. God bless. And we will see you on next week's episode. If you love this video and you would love more help to improve your direct selling business on social media, then click on the link to join our Facebook group. I look forward to seeing you in there.